your kids every week and um, they have a request that you come help them. Uh, and um, so if you uh, would have that on your heart to um, help out with uh, Worship Kids style, they would love to have you. You don't have to come every month, every Sunday. It's They got a rotation that you could be on um, and it would just take, take a little bit of a uh, um, time off of them, uh, them, give them time to worship as well um, in, in regular church. So if you could help out with Worship Kids style, God's working on you in that way. Just let us know, Ashante, um, uh, Leanne, or uh, Allison, and, um, and you can just be there um, and help them out in that way. If you would, turn with me to Genesis chapter um, 40 today. And, I, and I'm, we're blessed as we get back in the book of Genesis, where we've been off for the last couple of, of weeks. But we jump right in the middle, and it turns out to be a great New Year's Eve, New Year's um, sermon, because that's how the Lord works. Um, and it's weird to say that there's a New Year's sermon in Genesis chapter 40 and Genesis chapter 41, because that's just not a place that you would look for a New Year's sermon. Um, but yet, New Year's is that way. Why in the world would New Year's be on January 1st? In the middle of a dead winter, you have a new year. It just don't make sense. If they would listen to me, they would put New Year's about um, April 1st. That's when the green starts coming out and you get to see stuff, a little bit of life come to, to, to there, and you can see the newness of things starting um, but you know what? This world has been in trouble for a long time because they don't pay attention to me. So um, no, one, no one's asked me about that, you know what I'm saying? And that's their problem. They don't ask, and I don't help in that way. But, you know, I, right now it's an ugly time for us in eastern Kentucky. Um, I can see my neighbors. <laughs> Some of my neighbors are ugly. You know, and I have to see them because of my, all the leaves are off the trees. I can't wait till the leaves come back so I don't have to look at them. You know what I'm saying? And I apologize because some of you are my neighbors. <laughs> I was joking. Just a joke. Um, but we are here in the middle of a dead winter celebrating the new year. That really does not make sense. But you know what God is able to do? In the middle of a dead time, he is able to bring forth what? Life. In the middle of a time where it doesn't make sense, it doesn't make, don't comprehend, God is able to do something amazing. Why is that? Because God is always working, and he's always working in your life, and he's always working in my life. And if we go back to the life of Joseph, um, we, we can look at the life of Joseph and at the beginning of it say, I don't know if that's true or not. Because Joseph was hated by his brothers. He lost his mother. He was hated by his, his brothers. He was betrayed by his brothers. He was sold into slavery, left for dead. Then he was uh, in the people who bought him, placed him in their home, and he was falsely accused and imprisoned by them. And now they, he finds himself in a dungeon um, because of all that. Normally, if all that stuff happened to you, you wouldn't say, God's always working. You would say, man, I wish God would start working and get me out of this, out of this place, out of this dungeon. But what we're going to look at today is that even though Joseph did not recognize it at the time, God was working at that very time. And listen, even though me and you do not recognize it right now, 
we have to believe that God is working right now. He's busy doing what he wants to do, his will, at this moment right now. We know the story in Genesis chapter 40 of Pharaoh's baker and the cupbearer, and they, had, they displeased Pharaoh, and he threw both of them in the prison. And they both had a dream. And they didn't know what that dream meant. They could not figure it out. They could not put their finger on it and interpret it. But there was a man in jail named Joseph who was able to tell them the meaning of the dream that both of those men had. And because of that, he asked those, the man, the cupbearer, the butler, the chief butler, to be able to remember him when he is back in Pharaoh's pleasure and serving the king. He said, the only thing I want you to do is to remember me. But listen what the Bible says in Genesis chapter 40 in verse 23, the last verse in verse chapter 40. Yet the chief butler did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. The only chance that Joseph had through this chief butler, the chief butler dropped the ball and forgot Joseph and never gave him the thought again. But you know what? Joseph interpreted the cupbearer's dream and saved the cupbearer's life and got his job back, got his life back. But yet that man was not able to pay back a favor that he could have given. But listen to what Joseph, listen to the favor Joseph asked in chapter 40, verses 14 and 15. But remember me when it is well with you. So you know what? When you get out of this mess and you get back on your feet, what do you want? What's the favor? Just remember me. Remember me when, it, when everything works out, re remember me. And please show kindness to me. Make mention of me to Pharaoh and get me out of this house for indeed I was stolen away from the land of the Hebrews and also I have done nothing here that should put me into this dungeon and I, I love that those first 14 for verse 15 because you can see how Joseph is has done his best to try to get out of a bad situation and he said, you know what, just remember me when I get you out of this mess. Remember it was me that helped you. And when you go get back in the favor of, of Pharaoh, don't forget me. And you tell him so you can get me out of this first. He called it a house in verse 14. But then in, in, verse, six, in verse 15, he said, I don't deserve to be in this dungeon. So which one was it, Joseph? Are you in a house or are you in a dungeon? This is where Joseph was, not where he wanted to be be it a house or be it a dungeon. Now, I would rather stay in a house than a dungeon any old day of the week. Um, I've taken many of you all to uh, Dracula's castle, and, and a couple of you have been there with me and got to walk through um, Dracula's castle. i got a picture of it, if you hit the next button on that, of just of a dungeon area that you can look down a, a long cave. And can you imagine for a second having to live in a dungeon? Ain't none of us ever done that before. None of us have ever been there. Andy's been there with us. A couple of you, Tim and a few of you, and you've seen that. But it's just a wet, nasty place. But what Joseph knew was he did not like where he was at. And what he wanted was going to be able to do about anything in the world to get out 
of that place. Do you realize today, spiritually and physically, there's a lot of us sitting here today that do not like where we're at and will do absolutely anything to get out of the situation that we're in. We're asking people favors. We're trying to figure this out. We're trying to do this. But what Joseph should have been doing and what me and you should be doing is trusting God to get us out of a place, not a cupbearer. A cupbearer does not have the power to free us from the place that we're in. But God is able to take care of us and get us out of this dungeon that we're in. What he said was simply this. I just went out of this place. Even when we don't feel like it, God is always working. Even when we do not realize it, God is always in control. Always. And now from that time until chapter 41, two years will have passed and the cupbearer still has not said a word to the Pharaoh. How does Joseph feel? Just like me and you feel sometimes. They've forgotten about me. They've left me here. And no, one's, no one even is remembering why I'm here. So, so two years and Joseph's still in prison just waiting and working. But we're going to see today is this. That when you don't think God's working, he is. Genesis chapter 41, verses 1 through 8, if you read with me. Then it came to pass, at the end of the two full years, that Pharaoh had a dream. And I want you to tell, when we read this, see how many times we say behold. That word behold, I want to draw attention to it. And behold, he stood by the river. Suddenly, there came up out of the river seven cows fine-looking and fat, and they fed in the meadow. Then behold, seven other cows came up after them out of the river, ugly and gaunt, and stood by the other cows on the bank of the river. And the ugly and gaunt cows ate up the seven fine-looking and fine cows. So Pharaoh awoke. He slept, went back to sleep, and the second time, and suddenly seven heads of grain came up on the stalk, plump and good. Then behold, seven thin heads, blighted by the east wind, sprang up after them. And the seven thin heads devoured the seven plump and full heads. So Pharaoh awoke, and indeed it was a dream. Now it came to pass in the morning that his spirit was troubled, and he sent and called for all the magicians of Egypt and all its wise men. And Pharaoh told them his dream, but there was no one, no one who could interpret them for Pharaoh. God, while Joseph did not think he was working, God gave Pharaoh two dreams. And absolutely nobody could make heads nor tails of those two dreams. But that word behold that I ask you to pay attention to in those eight verses is important because me and you do not use that word anymore. I have not really heard anybody use that. Behold, gravy and biscuits have been served. No, that's not what we say. You know what? Behold, it's dinner time. You know, we, we don't look, we don't say that anymore. But what it means is awesome 
Because it's when you're introducing something, it's not like you can just use the word look. Because it's, it's bigger than that. It's more impressive than, hey, look at here. It's something that is going to be more meaningful, more life-changing, more impressive. That's why we hear in the Bible, behold the Lamb. It's just not say, look at Jesus, look at God, but, but behold the Lamb. But he says, now behold. So he's paying attention that something impressive is about to happen, and, and his dream is going to change everything about it. And, <clears throat> and Pharaoh, <clears throat> he wanted to know what those dreams was about. It troubled his spirit. And he's the king, and nothing troubles the king. He's in charge, but something is happening that he cannot control. You know what Pharaoh was and what he had in common with me and you? Pharaoh is a control freak. Me and you are control freaks. We like to control absolutely every part of our lives. And he had these dreams and everything in the life of Pharaoh was controlled by Pharaoh, but now he has a dream that he cannot control. He cannot figure it out. And his spirit is completely troubled. So he's, he's trying to figure it out. But there's a cupbearer that's been by his side for two years. And God jogs the memory of this cupbearer. God reminds him of something that was asked of him two years ago. Listen with me in Genesis chapter 41, verses 9 through 13. Then the chief butler spoke to Pharaoh saying, I remember my faults this day. You know what he's saying? Oops. I just remembered something. And it's my bad. When Pharaoh was angry with his servant and put me in the custody in the house of the captain of the guard, both me and the chief baker we each had a dream in one night, he and I. Each of us dreamed according to the interpretation of his own dream. Now there was a young Hebrew man with us there, a servant, the captain of the guard. And when he told him and interpreted our dreams for us, to each man he interpreted according to his own dream. And it came to pass just as he interpreted for us. So it happened. He restored me to my office and he hanged him. So what happens is this, God gave Pharaoh the dream that he couldn't interpret, couldn't figure out. God bought, shook the memory, woke up the cupbearer so he would remember the promise that he had made to Joseph two years ago. And he said, you know what, I just remembered something, something I should have done a long time ago. I can't interpret your dream, but I know a guy. I was in a bad spot, and, and, and you were getting ready to kill me, but he interpreted a dream and told me about it, and I survived, and the, and the baker got hung. I know a guy, a Hebrew guy, that, that can take care of this situation. After two years, he remembers. Do you know what happened to him? He's just like me and you. He got what he wanted and he forgot about who helped him get there. He stepped upon someone else and got where he wanted to arrive 
and never looked back upon the people that he walked upon. And that's what happens so many times in our life. You know, someone helps us and they say, hey, remember me when you get up that way. You know what? They never remember you, do they? They just keep on going and just keep on going. And he got up there and he forgot the help that got him where he was at. You know what? We, are, we live in a selfish world today. And the only thing we worry about is me, myself, and I. And we ain't got time to worry about everybody else. But guess what God's given us? He has given us a commandment to care for one another. To, to not be selfish, but to think of others before ourselves. He, he's, he's changed that in our lives today. But many times we're just like that cupbearer and we got someone helped us and we forgot all about it and, and never ever looked back. But the problem is this. Last week we was able to take of the Lord's Supper. And why do we take of the Lord's Supper? This we do in remembrance of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know what the saddest part is? Is that the reason we take of the Lord's Supper is that we have a tendency to forget who Jesus Christ is. We have a tendency to get caught up in our everyday me, myself, and I life. We get caught up in how I'm important and nothing else is important. And we forget what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross of Calvary. So we have to be in our church or um, given an ordinance, given a job to be able to, to do to remind God's people of his son, Jesus Christ. This do you in remembrance of me, that we can remember that his body was broken on the cross for us, that we can remember that his blood poured off of that cross and covered our sins. We need to be reminded daily of that what Jesus Christ has done for us. That's what happened with the cupbearer. He forgot. And me and you, we forget. And that's why we're called to be remembering our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, on a daily basis. But God reminded that cupbearer about Joseph. But then what happened was this. God led Pharaoh to call Joseph to hear about his dreams. Look in verse 14 with me in, in Genesis chapter 41. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him quickly out of the dungeon, and he shaved, he changed his clothes, and, and, he, came, and he came to Pharaoh. God was working, even though Joseph didn't recognize it. And he got called to come to Pharaoh, but, but Joseph is an Israelite, a Jewish Hebrew. He's got a big old beard. If you look back in the Egyptian pictures of the, the old days, they don't have beards. So they came and they brought him before Pharaoh. They shaved him up real nice. And look what they did, something special in there in verse 14. They gave him a new set of clothes. They, they cleaned him up to prepare, prepare for that. He had to give up the clothes that he was wearing again. For the third time in 13 years, Joseph had to give up the coat that he was wearing. The very first time he was given a coat of many colors by his father, and was shown to the other brothers, the 11 brothers, that he was most favored out of them all, even though he was not the oldest who deserved the birthright, but yet he was the youngest, and he was receiving the birthright. And he wore that coat to allow them to see that he was the most blessed of them all. And they hated him for it. 
He gave up that coat by being ripped off of him and thrown in a pit and covered in animal's blood so that his dad would believe that he had died that day. And then later, he was sold into slavery. And in slavery, he was in um, Potiphar's house. And his wife grabbed him, taken him to take him to be her, his, hers. And he ran from her and she held his coat in her hand. And he was thrown in prison and falsely accused. The second time, he lost that coat, a second coat. Now here we see in verse 14, he is shaven and they've taken his coat away from another coat away from him, and they've given him a new coat. But listen, this new coat is going to be different from the other ones they have been given. Because now he's going to be given a coat where he's the governor of all of Egypt. He leads all of Egypt. Joseph gave up his coat, but this time it would be receive a, a garment of rule of a ruler of Egypt. How did he do this? Not in his own strength, but it was God who allowed this to happen. And it was God's plan the whole entire time. But listen to verse 4, 15 and 16 to see what God had been working in Joseph's life this whole entire time. Verse 15, and Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have had a dream and there is no one who can interpret it. But I've heard it said that you can understand a dream to interpret it. Who can understand it? Joseph. You can understand. I understand that you can understand this. So Joseph answered Pharaoh. And listen to what Joseph said. It's not in me. It's not in me. It's not in me. God will give Pharaoh an answer of peace. You know what happened? God was working on Joseph this whole entire time. I do believe when Joseph was given that coat of, of many colors that he strutted. You know what I'm saying? He, he, he had a little bit of a walk to him because he was kind of proud and arrogant. Look at me. Look who I am. I got chose when nobody else got chose. Everybody out there working, I just get to walk around and, and make fun of people. You know, And that's who I am. And I do believe that Joseph had a little bit of arrogance in his life. And then God had started working on Joseph that whole entire time. And everything happened. And then Pharaoh got to the place and he said, I can understand you can interpret this dream and tell me what it means. What did Joseph say? No. I ain't going to go there. It ain't nothing about me, but it's all about God. God is the one who's going to be able to interpret this dream and give you peace to settle your spirit. You know what happened to Joseph? God used all that time to humble him, to prepare him such for a time as these. And that's what God is doing. God has been preparing Joseph for this time. You know what? I don't know what you've been through, how difficult a day you had. Have you been hated? Have you been betrayed? You've lost? You've been sold into slavery? Whatever happened to you, been falsely accused? You've been imprisoned? Whatever has happened to you, let me share something with you this morning, is this. God's been preparing you for today. God's been preparing you so that you could do the work that he has for you today and be able to say, you know what? It's not me, but it's God. And I love this because the cupbearer, when he stood by Pharaoh's side and heard the dream and nobody can interpret it, 
The cupbearer thought because God reminded him of the Jewish, of the Hebrew young man. I, I can't interpret this dream, but I know a man. And he's a Hebrew man. But you know what happened? After jo Joseph got called to the Pharaoh, you know what Joseph said? I can't interpret this dream, but I know a man. I know one who can, and God will give you peace when you're troubled with your spirit because you can't figure it out. God can reveal to you exactly what this means. And today, I have no ability to save not one of you all. I have no ability not to, to make any one of you all's life any better than it is right now, but I know a man. <laughs> I know a man that can forgive you of your sins, that can take you out of the bottomless pit, out of that dungeon, out of this place, and he can establish, set you upon the rock and establish your steps and give you a peace that surpasses all understanding. It's not me, but I know a man. And his name is Jesus. Amen. Jesus. Jesus. And you should never, ever forget that man's name. And that's what he said. I, I know a man. It's not me. And listen, Joseph hears the dream. I'm only going to share the cow dream. Because um, I like cows. But verses 17 through 21, the, both the dreams are the same. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Behold, in my dream I stood on the bank of the river. Suddenly seven cows came up out of the river, fine-looking and fat, and they fed in the meadow. And behold, seven other cows came up the, of them poor and very ugly and gaunt and such ugliness I've never seen in all the land of Egypt. And the gaunt and the ugly cows ate up the first seven the fat cows. And then when they eaten them up, they, no one would have known that they had eaten them for they were just as ugly as the beginning. Just so amazing of that dream as he shared. Seven cows come up out of the river and was eating in the meadows. And these are beautiful cows. Fat, healthy. But then here come seven ugly cows. They're just mangy, nasty-looking, skinny cows. And they ate those seven good-looking, fat cows, healthy cows. But when they ate them, they didn't gain weight. They didn't look any better. They looked even worse. It's the worst I've ever seen, he said. And this dream troubled him even more as he was sharing it with, with Joseph. So listen how Joseph tells him about the dream in verse 25. 32. Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, the dreams of Pharaoh are one. God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. What God's going to do for Pharaoh is something that only God can do. He is going to let Pharaoh see what's going to happen in the next 14 years. He is going to reveal to Pharaoh what the next 14 years what, what, they, what they look like. The seven good cows are seven years. And the seven good heads are seven years and the dreams are one. And the seven thin and ugly cows which come up after them are seven years. And the seven empty heads blighted by the east winds are the seven years of famine. Thing, this is a thing which I have spoken to Pharaoh. God has shown Pharaoh what his what he is about to do. Indeed, seven years of great plenty will come throughout all the land of Egypt, but after them 
seven years of famine will arise and all the plenty will be forgotten in the land of Egypt and the famine will be complete, deplete the land. So the plenty will not, the plenty will not be known in the land because of the famine following for it will be very severe. And the dream was repeated to Pharaoh twice because this thing is established by God and God will shortly bring it, bring it to pass. Joseph interprets the dream. He said, it's simple. God's allowing you to see 14 years in the future. Can you remember the year 2000? I was overseas. I had a, I had a Pentium 386. Remember those? I was the only one who had one in all of Romania. People would come from all areas just to play on my Pentium 386. And they, and they told us that day, that year, to turn, not to turn your computer on after the, the new year. Remember that? They said it would just blow up right in your face, right there. And it scared us to death. We didn't know. You know what I'm saying? And, and I got there seven hours before you all got there because I'm quicker than you all. I was seven hours ahead. Guess what happened? Nothing. Everybody got drunk and went to sleep just like they did every new year. The same old, same old. But guess what happens in 2038? Remember, turn off your computer midnight on 1-18-38. I want you not to forget that in 15, 14 years. The same thing's going to happen in, in, that, in 2038 that was supposed to happen in 2000. The computers are just going to give up because they can't figure it out. I'm doubting we'll make it then, but amen. Hey, go ahead. I think we're going to be in heaven by then. But if not, we'll be here worrying about that. But what he allowed him to have is this, to see what's going to happen for the next 14 years. In Egypt, there's going to be seven years of plenty where everything was going to grow greater than it has ever grown. And everybody was going to be happy as they could possibly be. But then there's going to come seven years of a famine that they've never seen in the land. And no matter how much you would possibly eat, you would not gain weight. You would constantly lose. It, it's going to be the nastiest time that ever existed. So he allowed Pharaoh to understand that his great country, just like the whole entire world, was going to go through a horrible, horrible event. And God showed him this so that he would do and accomplish what God have him to do. So listen, Joseph gives Pharaoh directions on what to do. Joseph, a Hebrew prisoner, is going to tell the Pharaoh what to do. Does this ever happen? This ain't happening, right? This is not normal that a prisoner goes to the leader of the free world, the non-free world at that time, and says, this is what you should do. There's no way they would take advice from somebody like that. But listen what Joseph tells the Pharaoh in verse 33 through 36. Now, therefore, let Pharaoh select a discerning and wise man and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh do this and let him appoint officers of the land to collect one-fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt in the seven years plentiful years, seven plentiful years. And let them gather all the food of those good years that are coming and store up grain under the authority of Pharaoh and let them keep food in the cities. Then that food shall be as a reserve for the land for the seven years of famine which shall be in the land of Egypt, that the land may not perish during this famine. 
So Joseph is giving Pharaoh the directions on what he should do with his country. He said, the first thing you need to do is appoint an overseer, a one who is wise and fears the Lord. And the second thing you ought to do is you give that man commissioners that work for him that can go in every region of Egypt and take one-fifth of all of the produce that has grown in those seven years and bring it back to the city and store it. And he gave him this advice. And, and can you imagine for a second where they stored those, that, those grains? I want to throw you a curveball here for a second. That we're always, only thing we can think about Egypt and men, your minds, are the pyramids. A lot of theologians believe in those pyramids is where they stored all that grain. One-fifth of the grain of, of, for seven solid years. Am I saying that? No, I didn't live back then. <laughs> That'll be a question you have to ask Joseph when you see him one day. Um, we don't know where he, he stored those, those places or anything of that nature, but we know that he stored one-fifth of the, of the world's supply of food that supplied for seven solid years. That'd be tons and tons and tons of, of grain that was able to do that. So we see that, that Pharaoh heard that advice from, from Joseph. What's he going to do? And listen what God did. God led Pharaoh to choose Joseph. Verse 37 tells us, So the advice was good in the eyes of Pharaoh, in the eyes of all his servants. And Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find such a one as this, a man in whom is the Spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, in as much, that's one of my favorite words, in as much as God has shown you all this, there is no one as discerning and wise as you. You shall be over my house and all my people shall be ruled according to your word. Only in regard to you, the throne will I be greater than you. Look at Joseph real quick. He was nothing in in, as a slave in Potiphar's house. And Potiphar saw him and, and understood how amazing he was and made him over Potiphar's house. God did that. But then something horrible happened and he got thrown in prison. But then he was in prison and they saw how an amazing person Joseph was. And what did they do? They made him ruler over all the prisons. But then, now, Pharaoh is in a bad situation, and what are they going to do? They're going to give the keys to the kingdom to, to Joseph, to let Joseph run it all. Why? Not because of Joseph, but because what? God had a plan for Joseph's life. God was in control. God was the one that was doing all the work at that time. And God had Joseph right where he wanted him. Listen to what the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 21 in, in verse 1. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. Whose heart? The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. Like the rivers of water, he turns it wherever he wishes. Right now, I know people are worried about elections coming up in 2024, but let me share with you right now, no matter who wins elections in America, that man's heart or that lady's heart is going to be the hands of the Lord. Just like he turns the rivers wherever he wants it, he shall turn the heart of any man that he wishes. And today, he can change your heart and put it in the right place as well. Put your heart in the hand of 
of the Lord. And I love the word in as much. We don't use it, use it enough. This week, I want you to start using it. What does it mean? Hillbilly translation of in as much is since you were up. <laughs> so from now on in saying, since you were up, would you bring me a sandwich? Say, in as much as you are up, would you bring me a sandwich, darling? You know, sounds better. We're more correct in that matter. So, in as much means since. Since you are a God, you heard from God, since you walk with God, since you told us all this stuff, you know what? You're the man. Pharaoh chose Joseph. There was no man, better man for job for the job but Joseph. God is con, in control. God is always working. Thirteen years ago, everything was taken away from Joseph. Now he's in charge of everything. Thirteen years ago, he lost everything. Thirteen years later, he runs everything. God's always working. God's always there. And God had Joseph exactly where he wanted him to be. Look with me in verse 42. As the Bible says this. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring off his hand and put it on Joseph's hand. That means nothing to me and you. Nothing. Because we don't have a signet ring or even that ability or that working way of doing things. But what happened was this, when, when the Pharaoh had a command that was going to be given down to the people beneath him to be worked out by his commanders, he would put that command in, in writing and would seal it with his ring. They would put a piece of, um, of wax, colored wax, on that piece of paper and he would, instead of signing it with a pen, because he didn't have a bick at that time, you know, like that, he would take his ring and he would put it in that wax. And everybody, when they saw the seal of that ring, that they knew that that was under the authority of the Pharaoh and that they had to do those orders that was given to them. So what he was doing by giving him that ring was allowing Joseph free reign. Son, you're in charge. You can do whatever you want to do. It's you. You go ahead. There's only me. I'm the only one above you. You, you go ahead and do what you, what you need to do. But the robe, in verse 42, says this. And he clothed him in a garment of fine linen and put a gold chain around his, his neck. The gut robe reminds us of how great and how awesome our God is. Joseph lost his pretty coat. He'd never be able to see that again. It was, it was ruined by the blood of an animal and used to, as a lie to his dad. And Joseph probably thought back to that coat many times for the last 13 years. But now he's been given a new coat. A coat of authority, a coat of royalty, a coat that makes him above absolutely all others, a coat that means that he's the boss. 
No, listen for me just one second. So many people today do not want to follow Jesus because they're afraid of what which they have to give up. If I follow Jesus and start going to church, then I can't do this and I can't do that. They give me a big long list of things I got to quit doing and I don't want to give these things up. I don't want to stop doing them and like them too much. I, I, that's that's who, who I am. I don't want to give up this, this stuff that I enjoy. You know what? We spend so much time hanging on to our past that we don't realize that which God has for us in our future. And what we had in our past holds not a light to that which God has prepared for us in our future. And why would you let some nasty old coat in the past keep you from enjoying that white robe of glory that God has for you in the future? What he has is more than we can ever, ever imagine. And God today He has Joseph right where he wants him. Verse 57 says this. So all countries came to Joseph in Egypt to buy grain. How many countries? All. Because the famine was severe in how many lands? All. Joseph must have known by now that God was at work. He's realized any day now, in the middle of this famine, that God is going to send his family to him. That his dad, his brothers, are going to come with their hands out because they're in the middle of this famine. God's going to send his family there for food. And it's great to see people fed in the famine. I love it. I love being able to help people that are in need. But it's even greater to see people forgiven in a famine. Where we're at in America today, at this moment we got plenty of grain. At this moment we got a lot of fat cows and can eat hamburgers all day long even though it's a little bit more expensive than it's ever been. But we got plenty. So we're not in the famine of grain or beef. But where we're at today is in the famine of forgiveness. And I want to share something with you. God is working in your life today. God is in control of my and your life today. And what God did was more amazing than we could ever imagine. That he sent his only begotten son. That whoever would believe in him would not perish, but that he would have everlasting life. And God allowed us to know that if we would confess our sins, he is faithful and he is just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness so what God has done by sending us his son Jesus Christ to die on the cross for us and he was buried in that borrowed tomb and on the third day according to scripture that he rose again what he did was he defeated death 
and he paid the penalty of our sins. And he forgave us today. And me and you can be forgiven because of Jesus Christ. He is the one who forgives us. So now, for those who have been forgiven, now inasmuch as you have been forgiven, so you need to forgive others. God is always working even in your heart. God is always working even in my heart. And I know it is amazing that God used Joseph to feed the world that day, that year, that time. But you know what's even more amazing? Is when Joseph's family, Israel and the 12 tribes, the 12 sons of Israel came, is that he was able to forgive his brothers and take care of them that day. The call that we have on our life is this. Forgive just as God has forgiven you. Forgive one another just as God has forgiven you. How can that happen? It can happen because God has forgiven you. And he has begun that good work in you. And he is going to perform it till the day of Jesus Christ our Lord. And you can tell me this morning, man, I'll feed anybody you want me to feed. I'll, I'll, I'll work wherever you want me to work, but I can't ever forgive this person for that. You know what? <laughs> Just as it was a miracle that God used Joseph to feed the world, it was a miracle that God allowed Joseph and give Joseph the ability to forgive his brothers. And today, God can give me and you the ability to forgive one another. Why? Because God's been working this whole entire time. All this stuff you've been through, God's bringing you for to be in a time such as this. To prepare you to do something just like he has you here today. And I know someone has hurt you. I know someone has done wrong to you. But God has given you the ability today to forgive that person. And I know you're saying, you know, that's not a possibility. But with Christ, all things are possible. And the reason it's possible is not because of me and it's not because of you. It's because we know a guy. And his name is Jesus. And he made that possible. One of my favorite memories of going through um, Eastern Europe was coming up on on a place, a um, little corner market, a little tiny place, wasn't big enough to turn around in, had, had a little ice cream thing and little drinks and stuff like that. And, and, uh, and on the outside of the building, it, it said this in, in Russian. Deskis, it was written in Russian and Romanian, Deskis Veshnik. And I know nobody knows what that means, <laughs> but it's funny. Um, Deskis means open, like you would see on any store, open. Veshnik means for eternity. So the sign on the door was this, Deskis Veshnik, open for eternity. You know what? That's awful courageous of that dude. You know what he's trying to say to us? 
He's trying to say, we opened this sucker and we ain't never going to close it. We're always going to be open. We're always going to be open. You know, when it's going to be snowing that deep, we're going to still be open. We're going to be open on Sunday. We're going to be open on Thursday. Two o'clock Saturday night, we're going to be open. We're always going to be open. But he's in the middle of a war right now, and I doubt he's open. <laughs> um, because nobody can promise that you can be open for eternity. But God, I know a man. And listen, he's always working. And he's always working for you. And what we can do is put our trust in Jesus Christ. Don't trust the cupbearer. Because that cupbearer is going to forget you. Trust Jesus. Because he's always here for you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. Let's put our faith in a God that's 24-7. That's always going to be here. Let's pray. Lord God, we love you. And as we respond to your invitation today, I ask you to help us remember why you came. We needed you, Lord. We couldn't save ourselves. You had to come to save us. We couldn't forgive ourselves, so you had to come to forgive us. And Lord, I thank you for that unspeakable gift we have in your son, Christ Jesus. But Lord, just as you have forgiven us, we ask you to do a miracle in our life so that we can turn around and forgive others. And I know it sounds like an impossibility, but we know all things are possible in you. And I'm so thankful that you're a God who provides for us. Lord, you provide for us food. You provide for us shelter. Lord, you know even a sparrow that costs half of a penny You've not forgot one of those, and there's no way you've ever forgotten us. But Lord, we know, and we trust and put our faith in you, that you today have provided us salvation, and you've given us everlasting life. If there's someone here this morning who has never believed upon you, please don't leave them. Leave your house today without making it right. And I'm so thankful that we know not just a guy, but we know our Lord and our Savior, and we know you still save today. May we put our faith in you. In Jesus' precious name we do pray. Amen. It's our to respond to God's invitation for us to come.